Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, guys, this episode is sponsored by Herd App Marketings. Now, you've heard us talk about the Herd App Media team and all the reasons we chose to work with them and how far the Hollywood Raw podcast has come in the last few months with much more in the pipeline that we're very excited about. But Herd App Media is only one part of the Herd App organization. Let us say one of the reasons we chose Herd App, it was their reputation as one of the premier search engine optimization agencies out there. Search optimization, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the practice of optimizing your uh, website, podcast, YouTube views, or anything else to be found as high as possible in the Google search results. Herd App Marketing serves the marketing needs of companies of all sizes, from mom-and-pop shops to S&P 500 corporations. They work with nearly 3,000 business locations in 43 states, and this was the tipping point in the decision for the Hollywood Raw. So we knew that growing Hollywood Raw meant partnering with a media company that also had a full marketing arm, and that's what Herd App Marketing brings to the table. So Herd App Marketing is not just SEO. They are a full-service marketing agency with literally every service under one roof. There is nothing outsourced to partners like a lot of the other big agencies do and we mean everything social media marketing web design content marketing video production branding creative seo sem local seo all the sc whatevers they have the team in-house to meet your needs and ours yeah that's why you see our tiktok blowing up uh we're getting ready to launch a whole new website and they are the power behind the new stories that we found on our website they literally do it all for us and they can do the same for you. So if you have a company that needs more customers or know somebody who needs new customers, you know by now that the internet is where you're going to find them. And Herd App Marketing is the company that will get you found more often than your competition. Online at herdatmarketing.com. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T marketing.com. Or give them a call at 877-662-4443. What's up, Dax Holt? What's up, buddy? How are you doing today? I'm good, good. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Hollywood Raw podcast where we uh, like to say we uh, reveal the fourth wall of Hollywood. We like to say we humanize Hollywood on this podcast. Uh, I'm Adam Glynn. I'm a street journalist. I'm talking to my friend Dax Holt. Dax Holt has been a longtime celebrity journalist covering, breaking some of the biggest stories in the world for more. How many years have you been in the game now? Fifteen or 15, something. Fifteen, man, that's impressive. You know, and a lot. A crazy part is like, it's not easy to stay in the entertainment news gang for a long time. You know, I feel like a lot of it's people. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. draining. It takes your. It stuff. never ends. It's. Ugh, I remember when so I was up. I remember when Lindsay Lohan would come to New York, and as a street journalist, as a paparazzi in the streets of New York City, it was the most exhausting thing. You would never want her to come to New York because you were just constantly on edge. Like something's going to happen. Either she's going to get arrested, some kind of news story is going to happen around her. I'm going to have to chase her around New York City because there's going to be some crazy story, and it's exhausting yeah. and it's draining. And again, like you said, it never ends. There's never an off day. It- and we're going to be talking to someone today who has been on the other end of the coverage, like massively. So Tom Arnold is our guest today. But wow, he was a tabloid target for many, many years, especially around the time that him and Roseanne were together and then through his divorce with Roseanne. But I mean, I think that's how a lot of people knew him, but like massive target. I, I remember people booing his name like he was just he was one of those people that like I think people just loved to pick on or to hate or whatever the case was so I'd love to ask him a little bit about what it was like for him back in the like what 93 94 time it wasn't all bad though not only that he he knows everyone knows everyone yeah I was gonna say it wasn't all bad for him and listen he became very close to Arnold Schwarzenegger we hope to get into that I mean, he's had an interesting, well, no, and very true cool lies. Career. I mean, True Lies. He blew up, yeah. because of True Lies. If you remember that, great that movie. Happened. God, I love that movie. It was such a good um, movie. Before we get to Tom Arnold, we do a thing on this podcast where, if you write a review and give us five stars, hopefully it's a good review. We read it on the podcast. We'll say your name on air, uh, but that's the best thing you can do to support this podcast. You leave a, a five star only, and then say some words on our uh, on iTunes. That really helps out the algorithm. Really helps support this podcast. Yeah. And 
And on that note, which well, you know, we obviously read the the review that we see on iTunes. If you guys want to give us an audio, some kind of question, or you want to call in and leave us a message, our phone line is up. It's 833-HWR-LINE, so 833-HWR-LINE. You can call, leave us a message, ask us questions, leave us a question for a celeb. You can also DM us a video of yourself asking a question for a celeb, so we can throw that in for um, fan question roulette. But uh, let's get to this review right here. This review is from Nosum1990. It says, my favorite podcast um, makes me want to visit L.A. from Scotland. Holy shit, we got Scotland fans, yes, dude. Yes, That's, that's pretty dope. Uh, I'm glad my Scotland fans have reached out and started listening to the podcast. So it's, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Bon Voyage. Yeah, I don't know you're in Scotland, but thank you for listening again. Best thing well, to your, your, your mic, or else, uh, mic is all glitching out. Sorry, Say that again. No, it's, it's probably my Scottish. My, it's probably my Scottish accent. But the best thing you do to support this podcast is to, again, leave a review. I'm glad my Scotland fans are now tuning in because, uh, you know, I do have a big fan base there in Scotland, Dax. So uh, I appreciate them listening. <laughs> all right, let's get to Tom Martin. Yes, tell us about our guest today, Dax. All right, so our guest today is an actor, a comedian who has been in huge projects like True Lies, Nine Months, Roseanne, Happy Endings, The Best Damn Sports Show, period, and so much more. We have the one and the only Tom Arnold. Uh so, Tom, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to get you for a while. We just think you're an interesting guy, and we actually really respect your honesty. You know, you're the guy who, like, I think a lot of people live through you because, like, you, you say stories like you're excited about them. You know, you don't try to act like you're too cool. You drop names, and I like that. I appreciate that because I kind of want to live vicariously through you. When people say Tom Arnold, where do you think most people know you from? Um, Probably... Um well, you know, I'm I'm outspoken about my feelings about, well, you know, the the last president. Um, um, I think I've edited a lot of movies, so people been in 130 movies, so a lot of people know me. It's, I always assume I know why people know me, and I'm always wrong. It's always something else. Um, you know, I think it back uh, 25 years ago, it just used to be. The uh, thirty years ago, the husband of Roseanne, obviously, but it, that's been a long time. Many other wives in between. I think that people know that I'm a comedian, actor, whatever. Do you, Do you still get people that walk up to you and you're like, God, I know you, but I don't know where from? I I I don't. I haven't lately. I haven't for a couple or three years. People know. People know who I am. <laughs> I, I don't know why I don't know it may be good it may be bad I don't know but there are people <laughs> quite friendly I don't think there's ever been somebody that uh, we were on the phone with, with at, at Verizon that didn't know, recognize my voice or uh, you know they're so nice the people at, at the phone companies have to do all your work for you I mean the fact that you've done 130 movies you know people recognize your voice they recognize your face do you still even have to audition for a role at this point in your life well I'd like to be auditioning for more roles I think that you don't a lot of times they put films together with the, the team you know they, they did that too when I was uh, uh, starting Um uh, but yeah, once in a while I'll do, uh, you know, I did it. My kids love uh, SpongeBob. And so uh, even though I know people that work on it, they had a kind of a, a general casting thing. And I, and I laid a voice down. I put my voice down. I, I, have, I probably won't get it. But just to do, just because my kids love that show, they're eight and five. And they watch every episode. So I watch every episode because if they do it, I do it. So, you know, things like that. Um, I think most things, uh, uh, you know, this, I'm doing a little film and, uh, next month and uh, the director wrote me a letter, a really nice personal letter. And I, and I like the script. And so it's an independent film. And, uh, and most, mostly things go like, like that. When you were coming up as an actor, who was like the people you would see kind of in this, in the waiting room with you auditioning for roles? Like, was there some, was there some guy you're, you know, some famous actor you're always competing for for the role with they always were always casted together always well casted I, together? I there wasn't uh you know i got very lucky because a lot of people wanted to do my role in true lies and uh 
John Gielgud at, at uh, audition, a lot of really good people. Um, and so I went from being a stand-up comic in the Midwest to having a job as a writer on Roseanne, you know, um, to then deciding they asked me to be on that show because I wasn't even thinking that way because Roseanne and I were dating and so many people would watch. And then I had a character on Roseanne. Then I started doing movie parts that were just offered to me. You know, I think the first scene, if you don't count Freddie's dead or whatever that, uh, uh, there's a scene with me, and, scenes with Dustin Hoffman and I in the movie Hero, which is about three years before True Lies. And, and so the idea was, since I was a writer and, a, a, and on television, I would just do these special uh, parts that came up. It, you know, uh, Sir Herbert Ross uh, was directing, uh, I don't, I can't remember the name of it, but it was Dennis Quaid and, and Kathleen Turner and myself and uh, and uh, um, uh, my my partner was great great actress and and uh, it was I don't know it was about us having babies and they were spies or something and uh, but it was a classy kind of a thing and then um, and then True Lies happened which I didn't think I was going to get because uh, yeah, I almost didn't go to the audition because but I thought well I'm gonna I'd like to meet Jim Cameron. So I guess I'll just do this. And uh, so I went over there and and because uh, I was a huge fan, you know, Jim Cameron. And, and we talked a little bit. And he was very nice. And and they says, OK, why don't you do the scene? And I and I was like, I got to be honest, I didn't even read it. <laughs> he said, why? I said, because I know I'm not getting the movie. And it just seems like it'll feel better if I didn't even try. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, shoot, it's a, here's the just read it off the paper, read off the pages. And so I just read it to him once, and then he was like, huh, hey, hey get Arnold down here. And I did Arnold was upstairs there. So he came down, and then the two of us uh, uh, read it once, and, and Jim filmed us just once. And we kind of, it was the first time we'd ever worked together or, you know, did anything like this or kind of pushed each other out of the way to, for the shot. And and, uh, and Jim Cameron's like, that's perfect. You You got it. You got the role. But don't tell anyone for two weeks. And, and of course, I walk out of there like, oh, my gosh, this is the best news of my life here. I can't tell anybody. And so what I did was I called everybody and told them. <laughs> Nobody believed me. And uh, they were like, are you back on drugs? I go, no. I'm not. And, uh, and, uh, and what happened was Jim had to go to uh, Fox Studios where he made his movies, you know, and give them the great news because they'd been looking for that third person. They had Jamie Lee Curtis. They had Arnold, and they were looking for that third person. And uh, and he said, great news, we found the third guy, and we can start filming True Lies. And and they're like, that is great news. Who is it? And, and he's like, it's Tom Arnold. They're like, that is horrible news. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, why? And they said, no, well, what has he done? And, and you see the tabloids, and you see that, you know, at, at a time, it was the most expensive movie ever made. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I don't read the tabloids. He, he's the guy I know. I wrote the script. I'm the director, and they're like, "Well, we're, unfortunately, Jim, we cannot approve Tom Arnold for True Lies." And he's really? like, "Yeah, that is unfortunate." He said, "Because I'm going to walk across the street and make it a Paramount now." And then oh. like, "Well, okay, we'll give him a chance." So those guys, the Fox executives, were coming to the set a lot in the beginning and, and I was like hugging them and thanking them and, and uh, they hated me. They were waiting for me to do something wrong so they could get rid of me. But, but I, I owe a lot to Jim Cameron for, for that. And, you know, he'll say he, he owes me a lot because I was the guy and I gave him what he wanted and more. And so I felt very lucky. And then I thought, you know, the movie was going to take three months. It took seven months. We went all over the, you know, uh, Arnold and I got very tight and we went filmed all over the country and, and and then it was a big hit. And what happened was the divorce from Roseanne was 1994 and uh, True Lies hadn't come out yet. And, and when we when we got a divorce, everybody said, oh, he'll never work again. He is just riding her coattails. He'll be back in Iowa in two weeks. And, and I thought, uh, well, that's probably true. But I have six great years of working on one of the best television shows ever. The Roseanne Show, and I got to write and produce and act, and I'll have great stories for my grandkids back in Iowa. And then uh, and Jim Cameron, I told him that, and he's like, 
you know, F those people. You know, uh, when True Lies comes out in July, and this was April, uh, when True Lies comes out in July, it'll change everything. And I, I wanted, you know, you want to believe somebody, but I'm not a, the kind of person that, that I, nothing is guaranteed. And, and uh, they tested. So I, I went to a screening, uh, um, sat in the back, and it, it, they opened up. The people aren't even, they aren't even sure what they're watching. There's people they sign up to watch movies. And um, they, it starts up, a James Cameron production, and everybody's like, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, Tom Arnold, boo. <laughs> and, and, uh, but by the end of that two-hour and 15-minute movie, when they filled out the cards at the end of which character they liked best, it was mine. And so what it, what it told me is you could change by doing good work, by getting an opportunity for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you could change public perception because a lot of people that didn't like me had never met me. Most people, of course. But then they were like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe he is a good guy. I mean, he was great in that movie, which is kind of this it's crappy, too. That if you're great in the movie, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey was great in a lot of movies. But, Very true. you know, but uh, but I things took off there. And, uh, you know, if you go through a divorce. There, you need, you get something like a gift like that where, you know, now your ex-wife is calling you and saying, man, I, I want to be part of this thing that you're, you're celebrating it, uh, you know, uh, but it was a good, it was good. It was good. I loved True Lies. I, honestly, my favorite scene in that whole movie is when Jamie Lee is like acting sexy, dancing in the room and then falls off and like falls down. I laughed so hard. What was it like on set? I mean, you kind of briefly mentioned it. You guys, you know, you and Arnold got really close. But what was it like on that set with those two huge, huge stars? Well, it was, you know, Arnold, is, uh, my trailer was next to Arnold's. Well, first of all, the first thing we had to film was our, uh, the, they had to shoot us in, in like Speedos so they could make uh, shoot uh, walking so they could create our skeletons. Or when we walk into the the place and it's because right, they wanted they thought people could tell by the way we walked who we were. So I, I went to I got to the set. Arnold has <laughs> like a cheese drink on. <laughs> he's smoking a cigar with his buddies, and I'm like, holy hell! I had boxers. And I thought they said underwear. I thought and and the boxers were showing up on the on the on the camera. You couldn't. They weren't able to. So then I said, I can see this is going to be a long process. And instead of waiting on uh, uh, to share Arnold's gold G-string, I just said, let's just do it naked. <laughs> just do it once. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. You know, there's no way you can compete with Arnold Schwarzenegger, his body, his confidence. You know, he had his buddies with him, uh, except to go the other way, I think. <laughs> so, obviously, I don't care. Let's just for time do this so but i did get to you know jim cameron was funny we were getting ready to start shooting he said would you like arnold to come over to your house uh and trade with you and and i was like yeah i believe i would like the greatest bodybuilder that ever lived to come to my house and work out with me in my unused home gym (laughs) he came over the first morning about you know he's an early freaking riser man he gets up at four thirty every day. He comes over there about five. We live by each other, and he comes to the door, and I'm, I open it. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I forgot you were coming. I totally forgot you were coming." Oh, well, everyone I've ever met is here. By the way, <laughs> my friends are waiting. <laughs> and, hey, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and so we we did trade, and uh, and then the, that that night, uh, Cameron called me and said, "What time tomorrow for Arnold?" I'm like, "Oh no, there will be no tomorrow." And he's like, why? I go, well, because now I can say that I worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is cool. But it's so much pressure because he does. He really is sincere. You know, he, he's, he's really changed the world as far as not just bodybuilding, but fitness. I mean, this man, and he really cares. So he does the thing that to help you where first he has to compliment one of your body parts. And then he d- digs in on your troubles. Wait, what did, what did he compliment like, on you? Know, Tom, you have a fantastic uh, left shin. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I have a lot of goddamn trouble spots, too. So they just, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, hell no, this is not going to... We're going to just do... 
I'm going to do my thing. And then, so every night I went to, um, you know, our trailers are together. We, we'd wrap work. And uh, he had a semi-trailer truck retrofitted into a gym that was next to his trailer where he could work out. If you pump iron anytime, get it. And uh, I would, I had a thing because I would always go to Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And uh, he's like, every night he's like, you want to work out? I go, no. You want Ben and Jerry's ice cream? No. And then we go our separate ways. And and how I knew that we really were great friends, uh, uh, sincerely great friends, was the movie had gone over time, over budget. Jim had put all his own back money, in, money into it. People were thinking, oh, no, it's trouble. Like they always do with Jim Cameron, and they're always wrong. Um, and I think Arnold was getting a little depressed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, at the end of the night, he's like, I'm like hey, uh, uh, all right, buddy, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to go get some uh, ice cream. And he's like, no, stop. Give me two pints of rum raisin. And from that point on, <laughs> he stopped working out for a while, and he just started eating ice cream with me. And he, he gained weight. And that's a true friendship because – if you could, he's the most positive human being I've ever met in my life. He's, 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 uh, he, every goal he's ever had, he's gotten it. Every, you know, but, uh, so, but, but there wasn't any way in hell that he was going to be pulling me up to his Arnold Schwarzeneggerness. But the fact that I can pull him down to my fat, <laughs> disgusting self hate thing, that's a real friendship. If you can pull a guy down when you're down, uh, you know, that's friendship. You know, uh, Tom, doesn't he throw like the most insane parties? Oh yes, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't think he'd think they're normal, but you know, he he's really kind. And, and there was a circus in the in Europe that ran out of money, and uh, and he said, "Well, I will, I will um, um, finance it if the animals can come to my parties." And uh, and he always so that there's always a weird menagerie. Of animals, but the first time uh, uh, that he'd just done this thing with his circus, and they had a Bengal tiger, and and you know it was it was you know in his house he's got a there's a little pool area outside and a little area we could sit around, and I walk in there and and uh, he's holding a Bengal tiger on a rope like a rope, not a chain, a rope, smoking cigars. All his buddies are smoking cigars. I'm like, holy hell, because I grew up on a farm. You know, a cow will kill you. Yeah, I mean, for real, like animals, all you know. At some point, they become animals. You know, people, uh, you, you can, if a cow, if you're, uh, you know, if you're bugging a cow, they will press you up against the fence. And, you know, they weigh thousands of pounds. There's nothing you can do. So you got to always understand that animals are animals and have a healthy respect for them. You know, we had horses, too. You don't walk behind them. You don't, you just, because if they're done with you, if, if you're riding a horse and they're done with you, you're going on the ground. I'm just going to, I don't care if it's the horseman, your best friend. Just something triggers. So I see this giant Bengal tiger on this rope, and there's his buddies are smoking cigars by it. And uh, and I'm like, I pulled out my phone because he goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm going to start videotaping right now." Because <laughs> when this thing freaks out and starts killing your friends, I'm going to to be able to post it. And uh, but you know, these guys they're just very, you know, it might be a Tarzan because they they uh, you know he, he's also got friends. That were uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of um, Germany, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Russia, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of whatever these other huge dudes that come and hang out with him. Who who else does that? The Arnold Schwarzenegger of South Africa, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, of whatever, and they come and you know, they'll hang out by the pool in their gold lame uh, g strings, grease <laughs> each other up. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. I brought my son over there. You know, when my son Jax was born eight years ago, Arnold was the first person at the hospital. You know. And uh, and then uh, when he was about three months, I took him over there. <laughs> it was in the, it just happened to be when all the guys were out by the pool, oiled up, and uh, and it was just a hilarious thing, hilarious thing to me. Because he also, it's not like I mean, he is he works out every day. You know, he's like 117 years old, man, and he gets out there <laughs> and kills it, and he loves to help people. To, you know, he it's for real. His thing is, you know, there's no bullshit. He does, and I can tell you this because we've done, we've had done uh, a couple different charities for over 20 years, 25 years in a row, where we co-host them. And uh, at one, we give 10,000 gifts out every year. Uh, the Miracle on First Street, it's called down at the Hollenbeck uh, 
police uh, 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 station center area. Kids line up. You know, you can't believe it. You know, this is a lot of these kids. It's their only gift they're getting from Santa. Love it. And, and that's, but it's exhausting. You know, but I do it every, you know, and then at the end, it's so fun. It's so cool. Handing out. And uh, but at the end, I, I'm always like, now I need to go take my pants off and lay down somewhere. But he's always like, oh, you know, I've got to fly up to meet some firefighters in Northern California and whatever. I'm like, and I, I said to him, what, you know, you aren't running for office anymore. You don't have to do this. But I realized that's how he lived his life always, as if he's running for office. You know, he's always willing to to uh, help people, to figure something out, to get involved. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, a unique thing. You know, Maria, uh, her family was like that, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm sure that's part of the, the attraction, uh, you know, besides Maria's pretty, but but uh, was her family. You know, Maria had the best parents, you know, and I knew her parents because I did. Uh, I traveled with them a little bit to do the the uh, Special Olympics stuff. And and these parents, I mean, Maria Shriver's parents, you know, are Ted's and uh, and they were the real the real deal. Her dad started the Peace Corps. And her mom, the special living. And let me tell you something about her mom, um, um, Eunice. Like, she was a badass. This is no, I mean, she, um, um, you know, she's the kind of woman, she weighed like uh, 61 pounds, and her purse weighed about uh, 4,000 pounds. But she was, she also was tough love, and, and she cared. And they, they uh, I think it was Catherine told me that they were swimming at their house in Georgetown with, uh, teaching special Olympic athletes to to swim but the girls were young and, and the grandma came out there and said you are doing it right and stripped off her clothes and jumped into the pool <laughs> you know, to teach these kids like she's a real deal and uh and and uh you know uh sergeant driver was just a saint so arnold probably thought you know i mean I, he's always been a guy that wants to help and give back and you know, I'm sure if he he did it, he learned a few things from that family, and just how loving they were to each other. You know, where where Arnold grew up, where he grew up, his father was not nice. He was a you know a member of the, the Nazi party, I believe, and his mother was very cold. And I I met her, I knew her, but you know, he is so full of love and and warm, and uh, I'm sure that being around all those crazy uh, Kennedys. Uh, he was probably like, oh, my God, this is my this is a dream. I'm going to, you know, and I'll tell you, he, you know, to, to become to be that successful, too, on his own. Um, but but, yeah, that's that's who he is every day. I, I feel like listening to your story is that you've had one of the most insane, cool, incredible lives. What was it? Take me back to Woodstock of 94, because I feel like that's one of those things that like people look back in their life and like, that was amazing. Was that as cool as it seems like for the rest of us to be there? Well, you know, because I wasn't the generation, I was too young for the the original Woodstock. uh, It was amazing. And uh, Chris Farley and I took a helicopter over there to be two of the co-hosts. And uh, it was, you know, it was 94, True Lies had come out. um, I think it was August. And I loved all the, the music, you know, I, I met uh, uh, Trent Reznor, and I just, it was great. And so Chris, all of a sudden, you know, because he would, he would have little spells, I used to call them. He was like, are we not getting paid to do this? I go, no, we're not getting paid. We get we just get to be here. And he goes, I got to call my manager and see if I get paid. Well, we're supposed to introduce people. So I went out by myself at first and did a couple, and he was having his moment trying to get paid after we were already there <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like oh i get it we're just doing it super fun so i said i will introduce you you go out here and and uh and uh and, and people it was uh that it was a, a bit of a mess on the on the grounds where they all the the million people were and i said lady and i had he's he, i knew he's gonna run out and do something i said <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Arnold Schwarzenegger and people went ape shit. And then he comes running out there and he, as he got to the stage, he realized what I'd said. <laughs> and then people are like, what, you know, come on. And someone took a piece of tarp about this big and threw it 
like 50 feet up and it hit him in the face. They ripped him up out of the, and, uh, but you know, he was, you know, <laughs> and then they loved him. I was gonna say I'm like there was there was no bigger star than Chris Farley. I mean, other than Arnold Schwarzenegger probably at the time, but Chris Farley was so so beloved at that time, right? Yeah, he was. He was not as beloved as Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he but right. he was getting it. And uh, you know, I met Chris when uh, uh, he did an impression of me on SNL, and uh, um, Victoria Jackson was Roseanne. Very funny impression, and we we're going out to host the show, and. And Laura, Laura Michaels said, hey, I want you should spend time with Chris Farley. You have a lot in common. Uh, um, you know, we're from the Midwest. We're both alcoholics, uh, addicts. And uh, so Chris and I hit it off fast and furious. You know, he went to uh, East Wisconsin. I'm from Iowa. And, uh, you know, I love the guy. And uh, he was genuinely the funniest guy ever. And uh, and, and so. But, you know, he had a little, he had some issues, which, uh, you know, I'd had. And, and so I had three years, I was three years ahead of him, you know, on, on being sober. And, and uh, but, you know, he did, he did as well as, uh, you know, he, I remember his, would have been his third sober birthday. And I got a call from uh, Lauren Michaels. And he said, well, and I also noticed I called Chris, happy birthday, whatever. He would have always called me. And he said, well, you know, he said his, he said his uh, dressing room uh, crying very loud so that everybody hears him. And he'd relapse. And, uh, and you know, Lord Michaels, I got to give him a lot of credit because, uh, you know, he'd gone through the, the stuff with John Belushi. Um, and, and people are always saying, why would you keep someone on the show uh, if they're using or if they're whatever when you've been through that? And Laura was tough, though. Lauren, you know, um, I remember we had a really great talk because Lauren's like, I didn't come from money. I didn't come from, this is how I grew up. I grew up like you grew up, Tom. Chris's family has money. <laughs> like that made him, you know, he needs to get it together. And Lauren did everything in his power to keep him alive, including uh, suspending him from the show as it got worse. But the last time I saw Chris, I was doing uh, one of my sitcoms, either the Tom show or Tom or whatever. And he came down to visit, uh, and uh, and uh, his brother Kevin was on the show, and he was going to his seventeenth uh, rehab. And, and Chris, you know, uh, we don't always make it to our seventeenth rehab. To, to, today can be the day, and so, but Chris, uh, it was going to be a very tough rehab. It was going to be very, and, and then uh, Chris went back home to Chicago and died. You know, the other brother Johnny was with him that night. And then Chris was so mean or whatever, he left him there in his room with a uh, sex worker who, uh, um, you know, uh, the last thing that Johnny saw was Chris uh, kind of jumping up, clicking his heels and said, woo, it's going to be a great night. And they fell back down. And um, and then, John, you know, Johnny had to leave because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, the, according to the sex worker, too, uh, that was the last thing that he did. And he once he went down, fell down backwards, he stayed forever. So, but his family, you know, the great things, you know, Chris, there's several members of Chris's family that got sober because of him, including his mother. Uh, it really, you know, uh, it, it was terribly sad, obviously. Um, but... Um, you know, there a lot of good has come out of it. I know that Tom Farley has a foundation, and and uh, you know, I try to help out what I can. And uh, but you know, it's something you when you say bad, I could have seen that. I did always say to him, you can't be on drugs and fat. You got to pick one. <laughs> that doesn't work. It's not going to work. You know, um, but you know, he was very sweet boy. You know, he come out and stay with. Uh, you know, he's very afraid of Roseanne. That's the George the end there. He goes, man, we gotta get, I'm gonna get you out of here. I was like, no. I'm... Was he wait? Was he afraid of Roseanne because like he had kind of made fun of you guys on on SNL or what? Uh, he saw. You know, I think he came out. Uh, he came out and stayed. You know, I had him on my all my shows and I had him on Roseanne, but he stayed there 
and saw some of the end of the relationship. Uh, <laughs> they saw you guys good. unhappy with each other so, in the home life. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, to her credit, you know, she had 27 uh, personalities. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fact. That's a, she wrote that in her book. And only two of them liked me. And that's a fact, too. <laughs> it was tough. That's not even... And it, Jed Eftelt wrote, and one of those was a small German boy, but uh, the two that liked me. But, you know, it was tough times. And uh, uh, it, it was, you, you know, that, that marriage was also great for a long time. Was, and uh, that friendship was better. You know, we were friends for, since I was 23. And, uh, and I think you, people would always say, well, you think you'll be friends? At first I did think we'd be friends after we got divorced and then in the first episode of saturday night live in 1994 uh i had had people over i'm like hey let's see what my old friend's gonna do roseanne's hosting it and uh one of her first jokes was about tom arnold's three-inch penis and i was like oh god damn it that's that's confidential information right there (laughs) i did did get to do the best joke i've ever done according to people which was uh, even a 747 looks small when it lands in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> uh, top drawer, top drawer, toolkit, top drawer in the toolkit. So wait, where are you guys? What's your relationship status? Do you guys ever run into each other? Would you be cordial? Are you uh, at a Trump rally? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, she had a roast a few years ago. I remember you did that. I did that. You know, it's been 18 years since we've been in a room together up till then. And then uh, um, I don't think, again, since then, you know, we're very different people. It, yeah. it seemed like we were a lot, we had a lot of common back in those days. And, uh, you know, we're very different people. I wish her the best, you know. And uh, But I could tell when the Roseanne reboot was coming back, I'd already started my, uh, I was starting my Hunt for the Trump Tapes uh, show on Vice. And uh, I didn't realize she was such a big Trump uh, supporter. And so I thought, well, that's that's just that's fine. You know, uh, uh, but but then I, I took a little bit harder look at her social media and what she'd been doing. And, you know, with uh, the QAnon people and the, there was overtly racist uh, Nazi people, you know, and I wondered why ABC uh, uh, I'm sure they had to be aware of that before the show started. Um, I actually wrote a review of the of the pilot for I think the Hollywood Reporter. They wanted me to, and I thought, you know, can I be objective? I don't know, uh, but it, I thought it was very good. And uh, you know, I used to write that show, and I said, uh, you know, I felt some of the the feeling. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the Roseanne show um, from '88 to '94, I was on the show. Then I went and. And uh, there's something she would always want to do when I was kind of running things. She wanted to win the lottery. And I'd always say, this family does not win the lottery. They may play the lottery, but they don't. That will destroy the show. And it, as soon as I left, they won the lottery. Lord Rosa was like, I'm going to teach him a lesson. And uh, and so they, I, I believe uh, uh, they were on for another year. And then John Goodman quit. Yeah. So he died. He died on the show. And so – uh, when it, when, even when it was coming back, his shows have a run. I mean, that show had at least six great years, and that's rare. And, you know, the Honeymooners wasn't on forever. Uh, you know, very rare that a show stays solid uh, over five or six years. So people don't remember that the show was basically canceled in the 90s. And so it's coming back, but I think it's such a great idea to come back. And I know Sarah Gilbert's working on it, and, and – um, um, but I, 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 her social media, her, you know, she was just so, and I also do Trump's going to take advantage of this man. He's going to, he's going to, this is going to go down in flames. This just, yeah, well, what did you think of the whole them getting rid of her and changing the show to the Connors? Like, obviously you have a different perspective. You know, these people so well, what, what did you think when all that went down? Well, I thought it was pretty brave of uh, Bob Iger. You know, Bob Iger was a guy that we met Back in the 80s, Bob Iger is a guy, before he was the most powerful man in the world, he had to come over and help me get her out of bed, like talk her out of bed. Like We had a couple of weeks. I think she had a facelift where he was at the bottom of the bed. I mean, he had a, you know, you know, Bob Iger is the best. And, uh, you know, we had to get her into work. And But just very honorable guy. Now, 
I, I can tell you this because at the time of her getting fired, I was communicating with my former stepdaughter for like a month trying to help her with her mom, get her, get her mom reeled in. You know, I'd set them uh, because she was tweeting and stuff. And I, I said, well, if I were the man in her life, I would just fucking smash her phone. There's no way the Wi-Fi be turned off because yeah. that show at the time was worth hundreds of millions of dollars to them too. Um, you know, and, and there was one night where Jenny, Jenny Pitlin, was like, oh, my God, this is going on. She's going to do this at. And I said, where does she live now? Where did she live in El Segundo somewhere? I go, I'm going to go to her house and just take her stuff. Because that's what you got to do sometimes. She also likes it when you do that. You know, she would always want to quit the show. And I'm like, you can't quit the show. You'll feel terrible if you quit the show, whatever. But she likes that. It's like a kid that likes to fight. To have to go to school to do this and and uh, but the weekend that she got fired that she did the racist Valerie Jarrett tweet uh, coming up the show was on hiatus the writers were coming back the following Tuesday Roseanne had told the people on the show that it was not going to be as political uh, because you know by now people are like God Trump's a monster and then but she told the Trump people. It's going to be more political. We're really all in on Trump. So she had that. And, and just from what I remember about her, that being in the middle of something. And, you know, it's kind of it's a lie, too, because she tells one people what they other or the other. And so I think she was in a mood to sabotage the show. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that and the thing is that everybody talks about that one joke. But there was a hundred. If you really look at her, I mean, she had she wrote every member of Congress to tell him John McCain was a uh, a, a, a traitor and a spy when he was in uh, in a three and a half foot box in uh, Vietnam for five years. Like she's like she wrote that the Boston uh, Marathon uh, bombing was a false flag that did not happen. Like that that happened all before. Yeah. So. You know, uh, was, it was bound to happen at some point. Her getting, I mean, especially in a, a a culture we, you know, people love to cancel successful people. So obviously, it was going to happen, especially when you are someone that kind of deserves to be canceled. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that um, you had to cancel it because there's a lot of kids in this country that get tea. A lot of black kids. And, mo- and black people, the, the worst thing, the oldest trope is, oh, you're a monkey, you're this, that. And I just kept thinking about those little kids. And I thought about her, this woman who's made hundreds of millions of dollars, so powerful, given every opportunity of the, her life. And she, when I met her, she was obviously liberal. She was, and this, bi- this rich white woman is, is bullying children, is bullying this woman, is Valerie Jerry. But it really bullies children because this, she's like a mom the kids look up to, you know. Uh, it's like when Superman Dean Cade, when you realize how big of an asshole he was, <laughs> it's very disappointing. But um, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, it had to be done. And I, I've never watched the show, but um, I do remember seeing how John Goodman be super skinny. You, so wait, you never even tuned in to watch the revamp of. Roseanne it's actually concert. pretty good, yeah. I, think yeah. I did. I, well, I had to watch the pilot to review it, and I kind of had a little view of upcoming stuff, and I liked it. And I remember uh, uh, Whitney Cummings was working on it, and uh, um, there was some uh, comedy, some comedians working on it. And I, I guess I'm just surprised with that because your investment with the old show for so long, I, I felt like you would have kind of followed along a little bit more. Well... I meant no. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a parent and you got two babies, when you're a single parent and you're you got your hands full, I didn't watch reruns of Rosanna until my assistant uh, Sasha, who's thirty, moved in with us during the pandemic. The kids and I, you know, to help with the kids, help it, and you know, she was living in a Korean town, uh, one room place with this this other comic or this other actor, and so I said, hey, just stay here and. Uh, and then, but she, Sancho was born after the Roseanne show started, mm-hmm. but she loved it. She said, oh, and so uh, after the kids went to bed a few nights, we'd sit there and watch an episode. And it was really good for me because, 
you know, you watch that. And when I'm watching, like the first time I was ever on the show in 1989, where I kissed Roseanne, but I remember everything about it. I could smell the cigars we were smoking when we were playing poker. Um, uh, you know, uh, and I, I, I said, is it well, fun or is it like PTSD? Which one? Oh, it, no, it was very fun. <laughs> it was, there was so much fun, just, you know, just inappropriate fun behavior. Uh, and I, I, and there's also such high quality work on that show, but there was a lot of, there was at her best because I mean, she just is the thing I could do from day one with her was make her laugh. And she, I knew she was funny. I mean, she was brilliant. But but the fact is, she thought I was so damn funny. Um, I mean, that's what all men know they're good looking. But but it, when when a woman says you're so funny, that's it. They got us. Ultimate and, compliment, right yeah, there. Yeah, and we also were silly, and we also did some crazy stuff, and we also were very bad sometimes. And. Um, um, but but I think that it, uh, you know, um, I think that what after our divorce, which was kind of a stop start thing and just some, um, I I knew it, it was I had to get, you know, I was so grateful that she was with the bodyguard because she said kind of what was it needs to be with somebody mm-hmm. to move out of and man, we, I, we had to be done. And I know me because, you know, I won't quit until I'll always go back and go, okay, let's try this thing just because, uh, you know, but knowing when to quit, you know, is, uh, is important. And, and, you know, unfortunately with her, it's gotta be like burn the bridges down, burn a, you, know, you can't just say, Hey, listen, we love each other. We're, we're friends, but this isn't working. You can't, you can't, she has to have some kind of, Somebody's got to be the bad guy, you know. Somebody's yeah. got to be a horrible guy, not just the bad guy, a horrible guy. And uh, you know, but but to, but I was very relieved to be out of that relationship, uh, yeah. you know, and to move on, and then make stupid things like that. Marry a twenty-one-year-old college student right after this blonde uh, mm-hmm. at a David Spade's birthday party the week after True Lives came out. You know, she never ran away from home in Michigan. I was like, oh, that's gonna be. It's gonna be a good combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that because I had my kids, you know, which was really, uh, you know, I, when I grew up, I had dreams of being in show business. I had dreams of, you know, worked. At, I worked on the kill floor, meat packing plant for three years to save money for college, and would daydream about being best friends with Robin Williams and, and Arnold, and, and then to go on in my life and, you know, be. I remember sitting there with Rob Williams at his house. We were making uh, nine months up at house outside of San Francisco. And I was like, I've been here before, Robin. He goes, what do you mean? Like I dreamed I was boning hams or something. And I was daydreaming that we're, we'd be best friends just like we are now. And he's like, we're not best friends. I go, okay, <laughs> friends. <laughs> friends, you know? And uh, so all those things came to you. But I think, it, you know, I always said I wanted kids. And I certainly tried with Roseanne, with the uh, Julie uh, uh, Shelby, and, and but I'd give it up after my third divorce. I'd give it up. And uh, 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 Ashley, my, my fifth wife, I didn't want to do in vitro because that was that was hurtful to the woman's body. And it was my low sperm count. So I wanted to adopt. I'd say and I was serious about this. Shaq was my next door neighbor the whole time he played for the Lakers. And if you wanted to borrow a cup of sugar where I grew up on a farm from your neighbor, you would knock on the door and say, can I have a cup of sugar? And Shaq made beautiful children. And so I, I, I wanted, I tried to get the courage to go take one of those things you get from the fertility <laughs> and go, hey, can I borrow a cup of Shaq? Because I, I had a seven foot tall black son, I'd be the happiest man on the planet. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it stuck to it. And I got blessed, like miracles happened for these kids. And, and, and I always said I wanted to be a father. And it turned out I really meant it. I wanted to be a parent. I wanted, this is my life. Every day, I'm blessed. You know, when things don't go well, you know, there's, you know, money, work, whatever, those are important, but they're way down the list, you know, uh, from from what is important are these kids. They're here. They're healthy. Uh, knock on wood. 
you know, and so you, you, you really, it worked out when I was at the meatpacking plant at eight, 18 years old, my 17 year old girlfriend said, I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm working here forever. Just like everybody else. And, uh, and it turned out she was lying. Thank God. And, uh, but so I don't know what the father I would have been then, but, but I know that now is, uh, is the best thing. I know my son, I was 54. My son was born and people, my dad, when he was 54, he was freaking old. I'm just going to tell you, but that's that generation. You know, I, you just can't ever get, you can never get old. And, uh, you know, I love every moment of it. Hey Tom, we do a speed round on this podcast. I want to ask you a bunch of quick questions. Uh, we're going to go back and forth, me and Dax. And you know, the first thing that comes to your mind, just answer it. Here we go. Uh, Who's the nicest guy in Hollywood? Well, there are a lot of nice people in Hollywood. There really are. There are a lot of nice men and women in Hollywood. You know, I'm very close to Sharon Stone. Uh, uh, she's having a pool party tomorrow. I'm deciding what shirt I'm going to wear in the pool. Uh, she genuinely, I mean, she's a character, but super, super kind, super sweet, uh, brilliant. Uh, I mean, I, I can't, nobody's been nicer to me than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, okay. You know, because he, you know, he's so, you know, it's not that we haven't argued. Let me just say that. It's not that we haven't vehemently disagreed with each other. A lot of that we haven't been, you know, maybe bad at each other. I don't know if I've been bad at him, but it's certainly, but, um, you know, I just see what he's done for the world and how he treats people. And, uh, uh, you know, he's amazing. But there are so many. It kind of takes your breath away when someone that you've admired, maybe growing up or is kind to you. Like, you, you know, because uh, uh, some people say, oh, Hollywood, they're all a-holes. They're all, or you hold them in such reverence that the fact that you're with them. And I always felt like that on my sports show, the best sports show period, because I, I'm a fan of sports. And I'd be sitting there, and my heroes that from childhood would come on the the show. Willie Mays, uh, Ernie Banks. I'd be sitting in between them. I'd uh, I'd play football with Joe Montana. I do, but but and there's this visceral thing because it's not just me. I'm feeling it's my dad, my grandpa, the people I went to games with. Just sitting there, like holy moly, I got a bat against Nolan right? I went down to Round Rock once. And actually got a hit off of him. And then I, he took me out to dinner with his family, to his barbecue place. So he put the wax paper down. Just the nicest. And I kept thinking, this is an out-of-body experience. That Tom Arnold from Tom, Iowa, is sitting here with these people. I'm going to tell you this real quick. My dad's he, my dad was a single dad. <laughs> if you watch if you watch Queen of Meth about my sister on uh, Discovery Plus, you'll see about our family, what that was like. And... The only time we ever heard him really laugh was when there was a Bob Hope special. I mean, he laughed hard. And I said to my brother and sister, whatever that Bob Hope does, I'm doing that with my life. Because dad laughed. Makes dad laugh. So one of the first things I did in Hollywood was a Bob Hope special. Rosanna and I did. And I, 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 it was Robin Hood or something. I had tights on and we all had tights. And Bob Hope called my dad. And he wrote a, 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 a letter to my dad. And, uh, you know, I ended up... Uh, doing uh, uh, the USO stuff, all because of uh, Bob Hope. And then my dad got to watch in the same living room on the same TV that he used to watch Bob Hope and laugh. He's, he got to watch me standing next to Bob Hope in that television and, and, and being funny. And that's the kind of miracle that, that you know, can happen in, in this business where you go, oh, boy, I want to, I want to, I wanna, I want this to happen. You know, I'm going to make this happen just to make my dad laugh. And literally it happened. So, you know, and Bob Hope was a very nice guy too. I got to spend a lot of time at his, at his uh, Palm Springs thing at that space capsule. And his wife was very kind too. Tom, so you're cracking, you're cracking me up because this is the longest speed yeah. round we've ever done. You got to give us just a quick answer. <laughs> All right. Who is the most intimidating person you've met in Hollywood? Most intimidating person. Uh, how describe intimidation? Just the, you met them, and either you were so starstruck, or they had so much power influence over your career that you were like, "Oh man, like this is a this is a big meeting." Uh, well, you know, I auditioned for the John Goodman role on Roseanne, 
And that was very intimidating. Rosanna originally wanted me to play her husband because we'd done a special together where I played her husband. But I also was like, yeah, John Goodman is so good. Uh, yeah. But, you know, meeting uh, Laura Michaels, hosting Saturday Night Live by myself, that was, you know, and I suppose I, meeting Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Was, ooh, Bill Murray's a good one. I could see. I could yeah. see Lauren Michaels being pretty intimidating. All right, Adam. Next. Uh, which celebrity has the coolest house that you've been to? Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I've had some cool houses in previous marriages, but no, I mean, uh, a lot of them have very cool houses. You know, style. <laughs> I mean. Arnold lives up there, and he's got a lot of land. He's got a little stable for his uh, miniature uh, horses and uh, donkeys. And uh, Tom Tom Brady's house is is right by. I think he bought it from from Dr. Dre. Or anyway, that area is a really nice area in in uh, 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 the Palisades. Is that is that the one that he built? That him and Giselle built. That's like monstrous yeah is that is it did dre live there no i'm thinking of the one that they actually like built built themselves from the ground up yeah hmm. but i've been to uh uh this guy named les wexner who has started uh uh victoria's secret and he, he worked with jeffrey epstein a lot and he oh <laughs> it's not a name that you want to be connected with no, but, it, but but uh we uh, opened a plant of Hollywood in Columbus, Ohio, and he's like the guy. He owns all these businesses, and I think uh, uh, MC was his money guy. You know, but it just it, he ended up getting in trouble because the name came up, and and because he gave Epstein his apartment in New York, that apartment was given to him by this guy. So Arnold and I went up there for a, a glad opening of the one of the plant of Hollywoods, which, by the way, were the most fun things I've ever done. Those right, and. We went to Les's house, and you could have put Arnold's house in the living room. This was crazy, and Arnold <laughs> like looking around here like, God, I feel like a, I feel like the help. I feel like we are the help. I said we're we're doing, but uh, it was it was one of those super crazy, you know. And I've also seen people as their career goes up, and not there's not a lot of show business, not a lot of actors that have crazy houses. But there's a lot of finance people. I lived in Mahal in the States for uh, a while. And that next door neighbor had that, uh, um, what's that game, that poker game that made a movie of it, uh, oh. uh, where Toby Maguire and all those people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever's yeah. game. Whatever's game. That, had, that game happened right here. In my, like, Shaq lived right there. And then that game, uh, the Allegoras, who's a hugely successful. His brother owns uh, Paradigm, and his other brother owns the Pistons. Hugely, really nice people too, but uh, but they had that uh, game, and then that house became too small for him. <laughs> That's a, he built this giant house, and and then it, you sell it to another to a producer down the line, you know. Um, but there's you know obviously there's crazy amazing houses up here. That's amazing. Well, I know we are running out of time with you, so I just want I know uh, I know you've got your own podcast off topic, and then you also just participated with Sasha Boggs. With Sasha I, Boggs, with the kids and I, is very uh, very funny. Yes, and go ahead. No, so I, I, you know, what do you talk about on off topic? What what could our listeners expect if they transition over and start listening to your podcast? When Sasha moved in here. Uh, because it's there's no school. The <laughs> kids are we're quarantined. We've been quarantined for a year. My son went went back to first grade half a day, two or three weeks ago. I kept my five year old daughter out of out of uh, uh, Zoom preschool. I was like, there's just no. We'll start kindergarten next year. But you know, we're quarantined here. And and I Sasha has done podcasts before. And I said, let's do a podcast in the house on the breaks from the kids are over here and just talk about life because she's so much younger. Like her idea of who, you know, who's inspired her is John Mayer. I mean, we had huge fights about how he was cha changed her life in high school. And I'm, you know, because uh, you know, I, <laughs> I had, you know, my list of people, you know, and she knows nothing about sports. In fact, we had a one Michael Cohen, who was a, a Donald Trump's lawyer, called me and, and I had about a speakerphone, and she came in and listened to the call, and we had a huge argument, and uh, and she's like. You know, and then at the end of the phone call, he's like, I love you. I got to see you, whatever. 
And she's like, you're friends. You have terrible friendships. Because <laughs> she didn't even know. She said she'd heard the name Michael Cohen, but she's not politically yep. involved. And, you know, she's a younger comic, her points of view of the people she likes. So we talk about we talk about a lot of things. So the kids are involved sometimes when we can't get a babysitter. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. And then you also just participated in helping with the Gangster Capitalism podcast, right? Like, what what exactly did you? Gangster Capitalism is a, a excellent podcast. This is their third year. The first year they did the the uh, uh, college cheating scandal, which you know uh, people went to jail. And then the NRA last year, I don't like, it did an excellent job. The NRA went bankrupt, but they really. Uh, you know, they were nominated for a, a Peabody. They're doing Jerry, Jerry uh, Falwell Jr., who I do a lot about uh, because it, it, everything goes back to Trump. But but uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. supported Trump in 2016 just out of the blue, just suddenly. Hey, and he actually said Trump is the most Jesus like, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. is a is a white evangelical and that owns Liberty University that did own it. And so I had to figure out why he, that would happen. And then getting to know Michael Cohen, I, I do. I found out Michael Cohen had fixed, done his fixing thing went on an affair that Jerry and his wife had with a pool boy, and because uh, there was pictures, and then you could hear the video, hear the video, Michael Cohen and I talking, where Michael was like, "And I still got one." And so I flew to New York to see all everything he had, but you know it was because they were, these people are so hypocritical. They're anti-LGBTQ, they're anti-immigrant. And uh, and by the way, the Giancarlo Granda is, uh, you know, he's Cuban. And so uh, I said, I got to get to the bottom of this. And I got to know the, the pool boys or the the young man and and spent a lot of time with them on the phone and got them to do stuff. I saw a lot of tape, let me tell you something. Because these people at the university needed to be proven, you know. And I also was protective of these guys. And there's a bunch. Because... They, you know, the fumbles are perpetrators, you know, they're mm-hmm. predators, predators. And, you know, what they do, like Giancarlo Granda, the, the first, the most well-known pool boy, that Jerry filled the, uh, him having sex with Becky and then threatened to blackmail Giancarlo by sending it to his girlfriend. That's crazy sauce. <laughs> and we hear the, but, uh, but, you know, I gave, uh, I, I, I did an interview for the, the series and, and gave a bunch of tape of uh, you know Michael Cohen, uh, the different a uh, couple of the pool guys. I gave them a bunch of documents, and uh, it's very good. It's very good, and uh, you know, and it's very good for these kids because the real hero of this is John Carlo Granda. Because what it does is it connects the dots from these pictures mm-hmm. back to Michael Cohen to Michael Cohen going to Jerry Falwell Jr. Hey, you owe me a solid. Because I did do this favor, boink, and I yeah. still got this. And it's like, because he was going to support Ted Cruz, because Ted Cruz is like a born again Christian or whatever. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, scratch that. I'm supporting Donald Trump. And it really won Trump the election. Because the other white evangelicals were like, well, if Jerry did it, now we should do it. Yeah. You know, because we just want money anyway. So. Anyway, it's very good. It, uh, All right. Well, yeah. check it out, guys. And remember, that was the podcast that b- broke a lot of the, like, uh, Lori Laughlin and the college admission scandal stuff. So they are a huge podcast. Um, yeah, it's it's massive. I'm glad that stand-up is starting. I, I'm going to do some autograph shows. I got to pay some bills, guys. <laughs> I got to pay some bills. I got kids. You know, my kids may have to end up winning a Tom Arnold scholarship at Indy Hills Community College in Iowa. If, uh, if I can't get some more work. So um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. I, I've always liked you guys on, uh, on whatever, what your other show. And I'm very happy to have this. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. And thank you for joining us. And you can check out Tom Arnold, obviously, on social media, at Tom Arnold. You can check out his podcast, Off Topic. Go see the new documentary about his sister, uh, the Queen of Meth. That's on what you said, Disney Plus? It's on Discovery Plus. It's Discovery Plus. Discovery. Plus. Probably not Disney. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, definitely not Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about yeah. that. But it's very good. It's very good. I'm proud of my sister for coming out, out the other end of that. A lot about our childhood. A lot about this. So it's very interesting. Well, thank you for your your uh, behind-the-scenes stories on you know, True Lies and all that. It's really fun to hear, and uh, we appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, guys. Woo. 
That was the slowest speed round we've ever done. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, I gotta tell you, I love Tom. I was cracking up, though, because I'm like, he can't, like, he is not a celeb that can do a speed round because he has so many, like, stories and things that he wants to, like, get out that it's like a speed round i realized halfway through i'm like we're scrapping the speed round because you can't do it <laughs> that, that might have been the quietest episode i've ever did i was i didn't know what to say. i didn't know when to chime in it you was, know like it was like jump rope the, and you know when to jump in i didn't know when to jump yeah. in i'm not gonna lie guys i apologize for that but he, it listen, was funny i literally nice texted adam i was like tom will keep talking you, you just gotta jump in because he is someone that like he likes telling stories so unless you kind of get in there he's not gonna stop and i i love that about him i mean he gave us great some stories, gems yeah. today yeah no he's great a, stories he's had an, a crazy career so and uh, he loves talking about him and and i love people who talk about him and i didn't i know what to say i know what to do i was just like whoa man i've never that was that was impressive on his part <laughs> not on my part but on his part oh that's yeah, so yeah, funny yeah, yeah. well you can find uh, feel free, yeah. yeah, feel free to hit <laughs> us up on our social media, Hollywood Raw. By the way, leave us messages, guys. We got a phone line up and running. You can dial one eight three three HWR line um, and leave us a message. If you guys have any questions you want to give to celebs, uh, hit up, hit us up, leave us a message. We'd love that. Yeah, and you can follow. We have this whole podcast. You go listen. You can watch the podcast on our YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, we're on it all. Um, you can find me at, at Adam Glenn. You can find the podcast at Hollywood Law Podcast. You can find Dax Holt at, at D-A-X-H-O-L-T at Dax Holt. We'll see you guys next time. A Media Production.